if you are new here and, and you're wondering sort of what is going on, uh, when I ask that question, uh, first of all, you need to know I'm an answer to prayer, not, not to Barb. Um, <laughs> she has better prayers than that. But uh, I, I, I remember that uh, my older brother and sister and about seven of my contemporaries used to meet on Sunday mornings to pray for my to pray for their younger brother. And uh, eventually, it, it got through. Uh, there's many answers to prayer that we can accumulate over a life. The problem is we often forget them. What we are seeing over there, as you watch the construction go up, I was speaking to one of my neighbors, and he was just almost giving like the disciples, what beautiful building you're going, you're going over there. And I just looked at him and said, you probably ought to need to, you, you need to know that it's also an answer to prayer. And when he said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, uh, our new facility, uh, you know, we've been working on this. We, we made a bid on the land about 18 years ago, and it got turned down. And we went back, and it got turned down. And Bob Mills a reason. No, he's not. Uh, but... Uh, you know, as we went through this, uh, we, we realized that uh, this is a now a log cabin church surrounded by nearly million-dollar homes or more, and that we had an image problem, and that many of the people who would drive by Monday to, um, uh, to Saturday and see not many cars here thought that it was a museum or some sort of historical landmark. And in a way, it is. I mean, the original building is a one-room schoolhouse built in 1923 and moved here, used, because they couldn't use it anymore, in 1949. And that's where this church first met for over a decade. So, you know, the property that we are building on is an answer to prayer, and it was set aside originally to be a church, just not our church. Um, It was to be a Baptist church. Finally, we beat them. Okay. <laughs> but it remained undeveloped in, in everything. And, and, and so, you know, as the senior uh, housing uh, development continued, that was to be the fourth phase. And, and then it just went blank. It went blank. Phases three and four, fourth being the church, n- never happened. And so um, we heard that other churches had bid on it, and they got turned down. We heard that it was going to be uh, more senior housing, but more upscale. How you get more upscale than what you got at the village, I do not know. But uh, And then we heard it was going to be a Denny's. And I went, great, restaurant on each side. <laughs> you know, that would be wonderful. But nothing ever happened. And during that time, I want you to know that not just me, but several people at Bergen Park Church would pray. And one of my prayers was, was always, Lord, I'm not going to stop praying until there's something built on there. I would like to see its original intent fulfilled, that it be a church. And Lord, if possible, why can't it be ours? So over the, you know, we're about to move in and we're talking again weeks and maybe by next week we'll be talking days. We're about to move in. And uh, next Sunday, we'll probably give you the final timeline, but we want you to know the the grand opening will probably not be March 1st or February 28th, but probably one or two weeks later. 
And, and as we look at that, we understand that the facility was designed by an architect whom we appreciate. It was supervised by a general contractor, and it's been constructed by multiple subcontractors. But to many of us, me especially, uh, you know, the subcontractors did not give me a call to help on the roof. They didn't give me any power tools to come, hey, help put up the drywall. But I and many others have taken part because we've been praying for over, well, two decades, into two decades. It is God's answer to the prayers of his people. It is not just a bunch of money going into a building. And I want you to know that since it is God's answer, there's not going to be a name on that uh, facility. It's not going to be Trump Tower or Trump Temple. Uh, We're not going to do that. It's not going to have my name in it. Instead, uh, we want it to have just be full of empty crosses because it's about Jesus Christ. And he's no longer on the cross and he's no longer in the tomb. So uh, now, now... we know the facility is part of our um, of an answer to prayer, but I also want you to know, you are an answer to many prayers. Why do I mean this? I mean the leadership had to continually come to you and ask your permission. Do we go to the next step ahead? And we got to a point where it got so boring because it was unanimous. We wondered if we should stop. I mean, where's the five percent that don't agree to anything? And and we didn't have that. So uh, your permission has been given about a dozen times. And your permission has been, let's change everything. And you said, yes, let's change everything. So instead of an addition behind here, we're looking at a brand new facility. Now we're asking for your help and for your time. We've also asked for your money, and you've given generously more than you promised. Uh, So um, I've saved this last part of the series of Help Wanted and in a way, it might seem, well, wait a minute, you're, you're saving what you start, should have started with is where you're ending with. Well, what's the best part of a meal? Dessert? Okay. I hope this is the best part, and you realize it was coming, it was coming, because every passage we've used is really talking about prayer. So we're going backwards, you might say, but we have saved the best for last. We've talked about preparing and harvesting and serving But the passage that we started with in Matthew chapter 9 deals with Jesus saying, pray to the Lord of the harvest uh, that he would send out harvesters. Because who is the Lord of the harvest? God is the Lord of the harvest. And we understand that as the Lord of the harvest, he he prepared the way for Jesus by sending uh, John the Baptist. He's going to be sending out harvesters and he sends his own son, Jesus, as his suffering servant. So the best way to understand God's help wanted sign is to understand that it comes through prayer. And so if you have not been praying about our new facility, can I encourage you to start? Or if you are uncertain about how to pray, uh, we'll give you some more tips today. Uh, Or if you've given up on prayer. And I know some of you come to church saying, I'll give God one last try, you know, and then you come back again and you come back again. And, And for some of you who feel like giving up, I, I just want to take you to back to Jesus, and we're going to let Jesus teach us about prayer. Now, this is not necessarily a um, what you call, Lord, help me prayer. This is what we call a kingdom prayer. Jesus is asking that there would be people who are praying the same way that he prays for the kingdom of God to expand. 
So how Jesus wants us to pray, there's many ways in which he teaches us to pray, but we come back to that one in Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 to 38. And if you have your Bibles, you want to go right there, but I'm starting in verse 35. And as I start in verse 35, here's what it says. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said, and understand the context of why he says this, then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Look at the crowds who are hanging around Jesus. That's why he says that. But the workers are few. Ask, or your translation may say, pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. So what the context is, is, man, everybody is so excited about Jesus, but Jesus needs more people. Now, as you read this, the first thing I want you to agree to is that these words are not just for when Jesus was in his ministry, but these words are timeless and eternal. Uh, He says these words because of the large crowds, and people are coming to him for help and healing and teaching. So he devotes themselves to their needs, seeing them like a huge flock in need of a shepherd or multiple shepherds. Rightfully so, some of you would say, well, that was then, but this is now. I don't see huge crowds anywhere. I don't see people saying, I've got to get to Jesus. I, 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 you know, I, I've just got I've just got to, he's teaching, I've got to get there. We don't see that. And so some of you would say, people are no longer interested in Jesus. We're living in that, excuse me, postmodern, for you French philosophers, age, and everyone makes up his own truth. His or her, it doesn't matter. As long as it's your truth, that's what counts. And I want to say this. According to philosophy, you're correct. But according to theology, you're like a California raisin, all shriveled in your theology. Why do I say that? Because of what Jesus said. He said the harvest is plentiful. Not just then, but he's been saying that over the centuries to his church, to all of his followers. The harvest is plentiful. And understand that today in the world, as well as here in our own mountain communities, the harvest is plentiful. You might say, well, I I just don't see that. Well, let me tell you a joke. A pastor and his wife walk into a bar. Uh, And and when the pastor and wife walk into a bar, which happened for the Christmas party for... uh, uh, for Barb's work, it was we walked into a bar, a man comes up to me, shakes my hand, he says, are you Barb's husband? I say, yeah, I get that a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm Barb's husband. He goes, you don't know me, but I want to go to your church when you open it up. I said, why? Sit down and tell me why. He goes, yeah, I'll buy you a beer. So we sat down, you know, and we're talking, and he tells me his whole story, and he says, you're going to see me in your pew. I said, no, I'm not. Why? We don't have a pew. But I'll, I'd love to see you. I'll, 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 put, uh, I'll put the name Scott in the front row and it'll be yours. He goes, don't do that, but we're going to come. <laughs> well, where did that come from? It only comes from this. The harvest is plentiful. We're just not seeing it. 
Or we don't know how plentiful it is. So Jesus tells his disciples, and he tells us today, not pray for a harvest, it's already plentiful. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Jesus tells his band of followers not to be focused on the opposition that's criticizing Jesus, but on the huge number of spiritually hungry people who are now responding to Jesus. Pray that he would send out workers. Now let's, you know, for just a couple facets about prayer that I think uh, will, will help you understand uh, how you can be praying at this time. Uh, first of all, how prayers are answered. When Jesus is talking to his disciples in his last uh, address to them in the upper room, he, he, he gives this, if you remain, or your Bible might say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus is promising he'll answer prayer. But you say, he hasn't answered mine. And I would understand that. And I, I'm not in term, you know, I, I'm not, uh, you know, totally in tune of what you're praying or why you're praying. But can I suggest that maybe prayer in, in that uh, verse is sort of like hot water on a tea bag? I got this, um, this tea that is so strong that it would curl my hair as well as my toes. But, um, so I, I, I found it in our kitchen, and it, and it said it's rubbed with a very special oil from Calabria, Italy. So that I guess that makes it stronger. And, but uh, some of you, you get eight cups of tea from one tea bag, and I know that. Uh, but for most of us, we put tea in a tea bag, and the longer you keep the tea bag in, what happens? It gets stronger. The tea gets stronger and stronger and stronger. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, your prayers get more and more effective. Not because, oh, look, I spent, you know, I read all of Genesis this morning, therefore God's going to answer my prayer. No, it's that his word so seeps into your life that you find yourself thinking like Jesus and thinking like God. Therefore, you begin to pray like you know the prayers in the Bible are. You begin to have the same values and, and, and develop the same prayers as you know God has. Because you've been reading them and you've been steeping in them and they've been getting stronger and stronger in your life. Example, this, uh, this week I'm reading the end of Genesis as I go through the Bible in one year. And as I'm reading the end of Genesis, I'm reading the story of Joseph. Joseph, the one, uh, one of 12 brothers who is so difficult, or so proud, so obnoxiously proud that his, 10 of his brothers sell him into slavery. And they figure, finally, we want, you know, not only do they sell him into slavery, but they lie to their own father, saying that he must have been killed by a wild animal. Well, <clears throat> notice how this develops. Joseph gets sold into slavery wherever he is. Uh, God's hand is on him. He, 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 he rises to the head of the household of the, of, the, of, of the slave owner. Then he's thrown in jail as he goes to the bottom, and he res, rises to the head of the, uh, to the administration of the whole jail. Uh, and pretty soon, he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And when he interprets Pharaoh's dreams, he's saying there's going to be seven years of great harvest and then seven years of great famine. 
and, and you ought to uh, find someone to administrate these seven years so that in the next seven years you have enough saved over and Egypt doesn't get destroyed. That's a very simplified version. But eventually, uh, Pharaoh says, well, you're the one, Joseph. Well, I'm a prisoner and I'm a slave. Yeah, but now you're the one. You're number two. And within a, a few years, uh, his brothers come to him, back to him, and his brothers come back to him and not knowing that it's Joseph because a couple decades have passed uh, since it all began, come back to him and they ask their own brother, incognito, they don't know who he is, for grain. And he deceives them. And he puts them in jail. Calls them spies. And you know what comes out of his brothers at that time? It's an amazing. Three or four times in that passage, what comes out of his brothers is, this is God's punishment on us for selling our brother. They are guilty for decades. It just doesn't leave them. They have never known their brother's forgiveness. They have never known God's forgiveness. They just think that everything that bad that happens to them is because of what they did to their brother. What a state to be in. What a terrible emotional state to be carrying that around. Well, I read that and I said, hmm, Lord, I, you know, my, my prayer, I, I've learned how to pray from this. I'm going to be praying, Lord, is there anything that I'm still carrying around that I'm guilty it, it, the guilt just hasn't gone away. I mean, I've been in ministry for 40 plus years. Anything I'm still carrying around? As if I'm not forgiven by you or by the ones I offended? And then I said, is there anybody else I should be praying for who I think is carrying around a terrible load of guilt? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Now, if I call you for an appointment this week, it doesn't mean your name came to mind. I just want you to know that. Do not feel like, "Uh uh-oh, I heard what he said and he wants to be with me. No, that's not what we're about here. But that's what he's getting at. So I, I ask you, when it comes to prayer, how dark is your tea? How strong is your tea? When you When you drink it, It should be really bitter because tea is. The more that you are steeped in God's word, the better your prayers will be. That's his promise. Now, the second thing about prayer is how often or how frequent should the prayer be? And in Matthew chapter 7, 7 and 8, Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And for everyone who asks, uh, receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And, and I know that some of you come from a long history where, where your philosophy is correct. Uh, you, you're saying, well, wait a minute. God knows everything. He knows what he's going to do. Uh, why do I even have to pray he's going to do it anyway, right? Because he's sovereign. Or others of you say, I really only need to pray once. God doesn't need a reminder. And you would be right. God does not need a reminder. Who needs the reminder? (laughs) You do. 
You do. You need to keep it on your heart. It needs to be something that you say is important enough to remember and to pray again and again. That's who needs it. So here he's saying, uh, and, and I won't go into the type of word it is, but it says, uh, ask, seek, and knock. It's, it's in a form of Greek that's called a, a, a perfect tense. In other words, it doesn't end when you do it once. He's saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. And as you do that, you will find that the door will be opened. Things will happen. But you're told to, to keep praying. So uh, here's how this connects. Uh, several times, not just me, but others, we would look at that property and we would say, still nothing on it. So let's not stop praying. God hasn't worked. I mean, there's, there's nothing that has gone up in a superstructure. There's no announcement that the land has been sold. So some people walked from you know, top to bottom and just kept praying because they felt like being on site brings more insight. So they would pray that. Others, you know, like, like me, you know, every night when I left the parking lot and go out that, that only exit, still nothing happened. Nothing had changed. A couple trees died, but other than that, nothing happened. The land was still the same. So why stop praying? Keep praying until God's answer is no. Well, uh, uh, so uh, many of us were doing that. And if, you know, if anything had been built on that, we would say, well, okay, God has something else in mind. But 13 years later, which was a terrible time for mortgages and a terrible time for the owner of the property, um, we made an offer and it was accepted the third time. It was accepted and that was an answer to prayer. Can I give you the other answer? Because many of you are new here. Um, I don't want to do this to my sermon, but Bob and Terry Tucker, they take blank sheets of paper and they just tear them by hand. And then they give them out. And, and I have this ragged piece of paper, and uh, Bob, I, you know, says, "Well, you know, we've we've uh, we, we believe we ought to buy it. Every you, every one of you said we ought to buy it. Um, we have to pay for it. What? <laughs> so why don't you just write down how much you're willing to give in the next year or so? And they do. And uh, Bob puts them all together, and he says, "Wow, that's really something.'" We're within $15,000 of the total asking price over half a million. And I'm a little disappointed. But I'm also very elated. Why? Because God continued to answer the prayer. Unfortunately, if, you know, if we're to own it, we have to buy it. I'd like to just own it. So would you. But we were able to pay for it and pay it off in full. That was an amazing moment at Bergen Park Church and an answer to prayer. And I just want you to know, he tells you, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking for whatever you're praying for. And may I say to remind you, write them down, the important ones. I I, I have what I call an I ask, he answered little booklet. And I haven't put many new things in in the last years. They're the same. And I keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And I go back to them time and time again. Not necessarily every day, but I keep doing it. I ask, he answered. And the ones that aren't answered, I will keep keep asking until I see what comes of it. So 
Now the question is, well, how God does answer prayers? And, and I just want you to know, to this point, when we told you what to pray and how to pray, it should be very comfortable and informative. But now, not me, but me using Jesus' words, it gets deeply personal, demanding, and even dangerous. Because the very next verse tells what that prayer looks like. The very next verse tells us what that prayer looks like. I go to chapter 10, verse 1. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Okay, what was the prayer? Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out many workers. Okay, end of chapter, new chapter, new thought. No, take away the chapter. It's, you know, it's still chapter 9, verse, you know, the next verse, whatever it is. So he says, pray to the Lord of harvest that he would send out many workers to, you know, because the harvest is plentiful. And then the prayer is answered. How is it answered? Well, <clears throat> see, what Jesus is saying is, okay, now that you're praying, uh, let's see what God's going to do. Are you praying? And probably Peter said, well, I prayed last night, forgot to this morning. Uh, I might pray tomorrow, I don't know. But I prayed a couple times at least, Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to know, Peter, thank you for your prayer. It's been answered. Really? How? You. You are the answer to your prayer. What do you mean? Well, this is what I've done. I have asked you to pray. I have asked you to pray to the Lord of the harvest because the harvest is plentiful. I've asked you to pray that he would send out many workers and I've chosen you as one of the twelve and now I'm putting you together with the other eleven. I'm going to split you up in pairs. I'm giving you authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every sickness and disease and to preach the good news to the villages that I can't go to. You are the answer to the prayer. There are many dangerous things that we do in life. Some of us own an arsenal of guns and we would all admit we got to take care of our guns and keep them safe. I, I've talked to you about some of your uh, so-called hobbies. Really, ice climbing, <laughs> rock climbing without ropes. Let me let me uh, let me see if I got some of these others that just floor me in terms of what you do: backcountry skiing, ice climbing, rock climbing, hang gliding, triathlons, marathons. Um, you climb trees. In your 70s, you know who I mean. Uh, you climb 14ers, and, and you know who I mean. Uh, and, and, and some of you do the most dangerous things of all in the next couple of months. You'll do your own taxes. <laughs> That's dangerous. But one of the most dangerous activities of your life is to pray. Is to pray. Because God often says, yes. And guess what? You're involved. You are your answer to your prayer. Not the only facet of the answer, but you're part of the answer. So may I suggest that whenever you do pray and you're asking you know, these kingdom prayers, you, you, you make sure that you end that prayer and use me as you see fit. Otherwise, you'll have a great problem. What do I mean by a great problem? Well, <clears throat> here we are buying the land. 
And, uh, and, 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 and we, so we're, we're in the midst of uh, purchasing it, and we're all out there on the property. I think the date was uh, October 24th, 2010. And, and so everybody says, you know, about 30 of us, yes, we should buy this property. We should buy this property. And, and then I heard, okay, now how are we going to pay for it? And I said, well, I prayed they'll pay. It didn't take more than 30 seconds for me to figure out, I'm part of that answer too. I just can't connect the dots. I don't know how to connect the dots. I don't see forward enough to understand how this can happen. But believe me, the money coming in has been uh, prayed for, not just by the finance committee, by staff, by, by elders, by everybody else. And we are amazed at your generosity. And most of us, I, I'm, in fact, I'm even going to blurt it out. I'm sure all of us who have prayed have been part of that answer. In the Gospel of Mark, we read the purpose of Jesus choosing the 12 disciples. It says he appoints them. And then he calls them apostles, apostles meaning they're to be sent. So they're the answer to the prayer that they prayed, that they might be with Jesus. So he befriends them. Then he trains the 12. Then he empowers them. And finally, he sends them. And as great as it was for the 12 to travel with Jesus and to watch him teach and to watch him do miracles and to be able to say, I'm with him. Yet it wasn't yet personally dangerous. It becomes dangerous when Jesus tells them what he is doing. And prayer becomes dangerous to us when Jesus says, I'm going to answer your your prayer and you are my answer. So, today, we're asking you to begin to pray for the opening of our new facility if you aren't already. Make it a God thing in your life because it's a God thing in this church's life. And for how God wants to use it in our community and pray for us, and, you know, how he wants to use it in our lives but also in the community. And so here is this week's Help Wanted assignment. Ask God, just as Jesus said, to see what he wants to do through our new facility opening and how he wants you to use it. Now, I have asked God, but once again, one of the smartest things I ever did is I married up, and Barb has something that she wants to share with you about how you can be praying for our opening. Barb, come forward. Let me give you your microphone and turn it on again. There you go. I know that everybody's been um, encouraged to serve and encouraged to volunteer. And some of us don't feel really good about certain areas. Well, we don't want to be greeters, or maybe we feel like we can't really sing, so we can't offer to be on the worship team. Maybe we don't like to be with the kids in the back. But you know something we all can do? Pray. So all of us can be part of this. And I just want to encourage you, when you're getting together um, with your growth group or as friends in your homes or whatever you might be doing, pray. Just pray together. Pray for each other. Pray for the church. Pray for what God wants to do in his world. It's just such a joy to do that. And um, on our prayer page on the website, I um, uh, posted something about how we can be praying for the transition into the new building. So um, feel free to go on there and have a look and see what that is. But in the back, for those of you who might be technologically challenged, we have um, prayer sheets, and you can grab one as you go out. I also just want to let you know there is a prayer team in this church that loves to pray, 
and loves to pray for you, loves to pray for any requests that come up. And we would love to have you be part of it as well. So think about this. Um, Some of us just do it by email, and we send out prayer requests on email pretty much almost every week. And you can sign up for that team through Diane Pulvermiller. And um, some of us meet here at the church. Currently, we're meeting twice a month, Thursdays, um, Thursday evenings, uh, the second and fourth Thursdays. But we um, love to do that, and that's really neat. So if you like to do it in person, you can do that as well. So um, you can go on to the website and contact one of us through that way, or you can talk to us. Uh, We would love to see you praying with us. Let's pray. Would you now just pray in your hearts what facet might you be willing to pray for? There's other ways to inform you on the prayer sheet and on the connect table. But just as you look at all that's been shared week by week, how would you like to pray? Father, you love for us to talk to you. You never get tired of us. You find it a delight that we would seek you out. So we seek you out now, and we ask the question, how? How could we be involved, or how, how do you want to use uh, this new facility, not just in our lives, but in the lives of others? And we end that prayer with, and use me as you see fit. Lord, use me as you see fit. Use everyone who is praying. Lord, what do you want to do through this new facility in us and our community? But use me as you see fit. God's people said, Amen.